Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are... It's another crush gate for Alonso, whilst it's heartbreak for Ricardo. Aston Martin are ready to pay the penalty. Red Bull, don't stop believing. I'm not going to sing it. And more young driver debuts. and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go! Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm James and I'm back from my travels. So thank you to Sam for covering hosting duties whilst I was away. And on his birthday of all days, so a belated happy birthday, my friend. Did you have fun? Thanks very much. I did. I did indeed. Yes. Uh, always. Always having fun. Um, and I, also, I do need to say sorry to you for somewhat underselling uh, your travels last week. Uh, wasn't just visiting your your parents. Yeah, in a different down country the road. Uh, yeah. Resident in Paris as you are. Um, but no, performing on a on a mini tour with your band in, in London. Yeah, so thank you. Congrats. I am a rock star. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, other than that, Abby, it's your birthday very soon, right? I think. Much planned. It is. It is. It's my 21st. So, big, two, big one. one for me, but quite a way back for you two, I think, because Sam's next big one is 30. So. Oh, that's that's a needless dig early doors. <laughs> so, I'll move straight on. You're happy with yourself, though. Yeah. yeah. Feel good about yourself. Good. I do. <laughs> and Catherine, I don't think it's your birthday, so I'll just ask how you are. No, my birthday is in June, so it's a while from that. But I'm very good, thank you. I hope you are too. 
Good, glad to hear it. And yeah, I'm, I'm all good, thanks. Uh, so before we get into the news, just to confirm, we do have a winner of the McLaren competition. We'll announce that a little bit later in the show, so stick around for that. But first on the agenda, it's Alonso's crash gate. Now, to be clear, we're not implying he crashed on purpose, obviously. The drama this time has come from the FIA's post-race decisions. Catherine, over to you. So yeah, so the stewards took Alonso from hero to zero. So we all saw that he was involved in a dramatic crash with his future teammate Lance Troll. And however, while Lance Stroll had to be forced out of the race, Alonso pitted and he even finished seventh. But Haas have put in a protest into this because by the end of the race, Alonso had his mirror missing. And of course, it raised some safety concerns, rightfully. So Alonso had to suffer a 30-second penalty, putting him down in P15 and made him lose his points. However, Alpine are ready to protest against Huss's argument, explaining that they have put in the protest past the deadline. Both teams are now meeting on Thursday via a virtual online session with the stewards to reach a final decision. And Alonso was not quite happy with this either. In fact, he put in a statement on Instagram saying how he is eager to see the result from Thursday and how situations like this puts everyone in the same position. And so in my opinion, I think that it was quite a harsh penalty towards Alonso. Of course, I understand that there is a huge safety concern because he doesn't have a mirror, so that could cause an accident in itself. But he did finish the race safely. And during the race, the stewards didn't really say anything to him. They could have stopped him there, I guess, but they didn't. So I think they shouldn't have been that harsh, especially when we had Russell, who... Rather than deciding to turn at a turn, he was like, oh, no, let's cause some chaos and drive straight into science and only get five seconds for it. So I would like to see what you guys think and how this will basically turn out on Thursday. Yeah, I think a 30 second penalty is quite harsh. Obviously, like you said, Catherine, losing a mirror, obviously compared to Perez, losing a mirror is potentially more dangerous because then it affects Alonso's vision and who he can see beside behind him on the right-hand side. But Alpine released a statement saying that the FIA has the right to black and orange flag a car during the race if they consider it unsafe. And on this occasion, they assessed Alonso's car and decided not to action the flag. And then after the race, an FIA technical delegate considered the car legal, which then makes me think that if this is true, why did they then give him a 30-second penalty saying that they should have brought him in. It was really unsafe. And Perez get off scot-free. I don't quite understand that. I am interested to see what the results from Thursday are because I get where Hass are coming from. Obviously, Magnussen ended up with quite a few black and orange flags over the course of this season. So for that, for him to get them and others not, I get where Hass are coming from. But then at the same time, I do get where Alpine are coming from because a 30-second penalty is very harsh when Perez got nothing. Yeah, you can't expect the inmates to run the asylum in the sense that you can't expect Alpine to self-police themselves during a race when they've had no directive from the authorities that be to say, your car's not safe, bring it in. And also, I feel like we've had issues like this in the past with wing mirrors, like, you know, they're flimsy, they come off, and it hasn't. it's never been such a... So there's some glaring inconsistencies here. And as I said on the uh, race review show, the retroactive application of that is particularly harsh 
Uh, so yeah, it it doesn't sit that well. I guess Alpine have had to go down the route of appealing on a technicality. I think it was 24 minutes late, House's appeal was submitted. So again, we'll see what happens. But yeah, it's all it's all a bit needlessly messy. Well, yeah, the, the meatball flag wasn't used, it feels like, for a really long time. Uh, yeah, like, for years it didn't come out. And then, yeah, K-Mag just started collecting them for fun at the start of the season. And at that point, it assu- I assumed it was, you know, the new race directors and a new approach, and they were obviously going to be stricter on it. Because, I mean, it kind of, yeah, there was there was quite a lot of drama about that the Japanese Grand Prix where Charles drove around hanging onto his wing mirror, which, yeah, eventually fell off, as did a bit of his front wing. And then it just kind of, yeah, everyone forgot about it. Um, I think it is something that needs to be looked at and kind of fine-tuned as a rule because, yeah, we we can't have carbon fibre endangering marshals. But, yeah, I mean, again, it's just the FIA needing to get its house in order again, really, isn't it? They they could have reacted quicker for both drivers. Am I right in thinking that the, the dangerous element of it was the happy it could fall off and you know, be debris element, not the fact that it was missing and he couldn't see out the right-hand side. Because surely... I've kind of heard both. I mean, I've heard it referred to in both ways. But it'd be so difficult to replace that mid-race. Do you guys think that, like, so there was a lot of controversy surrounding the directors and how they were handling the races, especially after Japan, when we saw the tractor mm. there. And we also had Bridge, who wrote um, an article on the nerds, about whether, you know, we need Michael Masi back. And last time, now I know that it was a meme and it can be deemed funny, but it was literally like when Michael Masi was in F1, it was all peace. And then when Michael Masi isn't in F1 and it's just basically a piece of land on fire. So it's like there are many people now that are thinking this. Do we think that maybe the FIA haven't really figured out what the director's maybe role is, what what they're supposed to do in such cases. Like, do they really need more guidance? Do they need the off-season to be like, okay, we have these set of rules. We're going to just play by them during the races, you know? Like, what needs to be figured out? I mean, it definitely wasn't peace when it was Michael Massey. Let's just quickly address that. It was, it was definitely on fire. There were lots of things we had. We had cranes on trackers then uh, as well. Then don't forget. Uh, I think at Turkey, as far as I remember. But yeah, I, I think it's clear that whether or not you consider him a scapegoat, the the FIA still has work to do. And I don't know. Like it feels like it's something different every weekend at the moment. And. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's it's uh, sorry to cut across you, the James. It feels like the the race directors and the stewards are just not on the same page with this stuff, and that's where yeah. some of this inconsistency has been born from this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just maybe yeah, maybe you're right, Catherine, and kind of they can use the off season to to really look and address some things. But I mean, I think there's more pressure on them than ever before because it it, it seems pretty clear that F one. Uh, I'm pretty unhappy with the FIA and yeah I mean that's they're looking maybe for ways to get rid of them but that is just hearsay for now um but yeah we'll we'll move on from a, a driver who had a bad evening to another one who had a bad day all round and that would be Abby Daniel Ricardo. so on Saturday he qualified P15 out in Q1 again but he finished the race in P16 having an even worse Sunday performance And we touched on it during the race review. And after the race, he spoke to Formula One and he said some quite 
heartbreaking things, actually. He said, when you think it can't get worse, it does. That's where I don't know how I'm going, how I'm continuing to continue because painful is an understatement. Now, we've all seen him struggle all season long, especially compared to Lando. And now he's leaving McLaren. And sometimes when a driver is leaving a team, it can give them a renewed sense of motivation to prove themselves and to do well. But for Ricardo, his struggles have just persisted. And obviously he's not on the grid next year. He was rumoured to become a reserve driver for Mercedes. And then there was some rumours about it being Red Bull. But now it's back to Mercedes being more, the more likely option. But Ricardo admitted that he, he's not that interested in a reserve role, but he will still be around in 2023 because he has plans and ambitions for 2024. I'm interested to see whether you guys think that a reserve driver role is the best thing for him to do next season because he has had such a poor 2022 or whether like do you think that he'll gain anything from having a year out of actually racing at all i feel like whenever we talk about the daniel ricardo situation we have option a which is take a reserve role and option b which is take the has seat which constant has kind of implied that he would not almost certainly but very much be in contention for if he were interested Honestly, at this age, I think option option C is the way to go. Go to a different racing series. Move on. I think, as harsh as it is, I think he, his career has come to an end in Formula 1. And this is a natural place for it to conclude, albeit not on the terms that he would have wanted, not on the terms that anyone would have expected. So, yeah, I think that's the, the best way forward. Try IndyCar, try NASCAR, try something else enjoy it because he isn't enjoying what he's doing at the moment clearly um so yeah it's really difficult to watch and i really do feel for him i agree with sam too i think for example if he even tries i don't know formula e which is taking in a lot of drivers and they are doing great things there and it's about to become a very good series even more because of the gentry so i think if he goes somewhere where he has a good season he has a new team a breath of fresh air, you know, and he even does well there, even if he doesn't win a championship, but get at least a podium or something, it'll help him to sort of upbeat his, his morale too. I just think that F1 isn't the place for him anymore. I mean, we see Nico Hulkenberg who said that he's leaving F1. Now he's a reserve driver. Sometimes he fills in for races in races when um, drivers are sick or something like that. But is he really like doing anything you know like we hear of him when he does a race and then that's it he sort of becomes invisible again and i am afraid that it will be the same for ricardo because realistically more good drivers are coming into the sport so if he takes a year out is there going to be space for him you know once maybe we have a new f2 champion maybe there are new drivers coming in maybe drugovic eventually comes in too we never know so yeah, that is a good point, actually. Having limited spaces on the grid already and all the talent that we've seen in the feeder series, I think it will be difficult for Ricardo to get a space on the F1 grid after he's left it. And I think he deserves to be racing. He is a good enough driver to race. But I also agree with Sam that his time in F1 has come to an end. McLaren have branched out to loads of different aspects of motorsport with all the different teams so he i'm pretty sure they'll create a nascar team at some point in the future so he could venture into a different aspect of racing like nascar because he does love nascar we've saw him 
last season he had a go in one of the cars he did say that oval scare him so i don't think he'll be going to indycar but i would like to see him racing i just don't think it will happen in f1 anymore but i don't think he should stay you kind of implied that he should he could stay with within the mclaren system i think that is part of the problem for him it's not the right environment for him too much has happened now he needs a clean break from it yeah i'd agree with that uh um, yeah i think we just have to see what the the future what the future holds for him Uh, but now that we have spoken about the honey budget it's the moment you've all been waiting for uh or at least those of you who bothered to sit there last week counting the number of times the word mclaren was said we had a fair few correct answers come in but only one listener could win the mclaren cup signed by daniel ricardo and lando norris the official Formula Nerds spinning wheel has randomly selected its winner, and that person is. The winner is Denise Vilce. Uh, and I apologise if I butchered the pronunciation of your surname, but hey, you've got a signed McLaren cap, so who cares? Uh, so, Denise, please email your postal address to info at formulanerds.com and we'll get it on its way to you post-haste. Congratulations. And, of course, a huge thank you to McLaren for providing us with such a great prize and to everybody who entered. Unlucky on this occasion, but maybe we'll have another competition for you soon. You just have to keep listening and find out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, back to the news. And, well, it's everybody's favourite talking point over the last few weeks, the cost cap. Yeah, we're still talking about it, but this time it's Aston Martin who are the focus because they've reportedly reached an agreement with the FIA over their punishment. Now, unlike Red Bull, it was just a procedural breach for Aston. Uh, Williams also committed one earlier in the year when they turned in their paperwork late and already signed an accepted breach agreement, as they're known. That penalty was $25,000. Aston have been negotiating with the FIA since the breach became known and apparently negotiations are coming to an end. Team principal Mike Crack said, I think it will be something that we try to conclude in the next few days. We had some discussions over the weekend as well with them and I'm quite confident that we'll get it solved soon. 
So nothing concrete as yet. Uh, I guess we're expecting a similar kind of penalty to the Williams one here. Yeah, it's going to be financial, isn't it? It'll just, it should, in theory, be more than 25k. How much it will be, it's difficult to just kind of work out, isn't it? Because I don't think we, we don't know what the financial element of the Red Bull penalty will be. So there's only one reference point, and that feels quite low. And it was obviously a very minor thing that happened but what, back in March for Williams. So this is somewhat more serious. But again, we don't really know what the kind of upper end of the scale is. So I just took a, a while to tell you that I didn't know there. But yeah, no idea. Can you imagine if they just they kick them out of the championship? No one expecting it. Red Bull get a fine and Aston get kicked out. I like full on flip reverse it. Like, yeah, yeah that would be a wild well yeah i mean we don't know the what procedural breach it was uh is the main thing so it's it's a bit hard to speculate but i think a fine i mean as much as i've been very anti fine for you know breaking the cost cap this is a bit different when it's something procedural and i think that's probably fair enough equally some kind of minor uh yeah other type of punishment would probably be fine too I agree, because to be fair, I think Red Bull is, was a bit worse, and they probably spent even more compared to Aston Martin. So, you know, you need to give it to them. And I just, I really don't agree how, for example, Christian Horner handled it compared to other team principals like Mike Crack, for example. It is quite interesting to see how the two team principals have handled this situation, knowing that they have breached the regulations or quite differently. But it's quite nice to see Mike Crack kind of go, we have breached it. We did do, we did break the procedures. We haven't overspent, which is the important thing. And we will reach a conclusion with the FIA. Because the cost cap talk has been going on. It feels like years, even though it hasn't been. But it feels like it's been going on for ages. But yeah, I think a fine for Aston Martin, more so than what Williams had. But I don't think they can really do anything more than that. I don't think maybe getting rid of some championship points but I don't think that would really happen for them but yeah well Red Bull on the other hand seemingly weren't so ready to accept the FIA's suggested penalty we've spoken about this enough uh, recently so we'll keep it brief but the latest rumours are that an agreement has now been reached but it will be made public later this week due to the passing of Dietrich Mateschitz Uh, I won't ask you what you think about this because I think the entire world now knows our opinions by this point. So instead, I'll just segue you into our next story, Sam, which is a more positive one for Red Bull. Yeah, absolutely. So as we know, over the weekend, the Red Bull team sewed up their second title of the year, which is the Constructors' Championship, which is, after obviously Max won the Drivers' Championship last year, this is the one that has eluded them longer. Obviously, Mercedes winning the Constructors' Championship in 2021. So, good news, you know, success, happy story coming out of Red Bull, which is nice on a obviously very difficult weekend for the team. I thought there was something poetic in the fact that they were able to clinch that title just a day after Dietrich Mateschitz passed away. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a positive thing for the team. And Christian Horner was actually saying that the team kind of never stopped believing that they would be able to topple Mercedes. Obviously, eight years of losing is is difficult to face, but this could be the start of a new era of dominance for Red Bull. So, yeah, it was just about kind of, you know, working hard, continuing to kind of chip away at those gaps, and they have done. And as we know, they've uh, 
ace to the new era of regulations. It was kind of a nice tribute to Dietrich, having just won the Drivers' Championship but winning their first constructors since 2013. And then I think Horner said across the weekend they were then playing the Rolling Stones, listening to the music that Dietrich liked to keep him alive and kind of celebrate his life. And he said that the only way to really celebrate it was to perform on track, which they did. And yeah, I think Red Bull have definitely nailed these new regulations. They will certainly be in the fight in future years. It's it's nice that they're kind of providing the challenge for Mercedes and Ferrari. Hopefully Mercedes can better their car for next season so then we can get a proper fight up front but Red Bull have done amazing this season so far they obviously had um, reliability struggles at the beginning but they solved them really quickly and their strategy all the way throughout all the races has been excellent so F1 I think will start to get very exciting again I hope so uh, yeah, I mean, Red Bull were perfectly positioned to capitalise on these regulations, really. They they had Adrian Newey, the the man for ground effect. He wrote his thesis on it, I believe. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, they were always likely to, to succeed. And yeah, it'll be nice if they don't enter a total period of, of domination. Uh, yeah, they undeniably deserve this, or these two titles this year. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of come together very poetically, like you're saying. I mean, they, they got their drivers in Japan, uh, which obviously was great for their Honda affiliation, albeit in yeah, messy circumstances. And then, yeah, it's, uh, obviously a very somber weekend, but uh, a very nice way to honour it. I agree with you guys. I, I was believing that Ferrari would maybe win it, but we all knew that it wouldn't. I was hoping, you know, maybe George crashes into Max instead. Ferrari gets a 1-2, we're still in the fight. But I guess a girl can keep dreaming. Yeah, next year's your year, right? TM. <laughs> Let's not do what Liverpool does here, please. Hey, hey, come on. I'm a Liverpool fan. You can't, it's, it's, it's too raw. I, I, I didn't know you were a Liverpool fan. I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> I take it they didn't do very well. Not, not currently, no. No, okay. not having the best season. Anyway, uh, Samuel... Yes, thank you, James. Uh, finally this week, we have some news about a couple of drivers that are working their way through the feeder series as we speak. So first of all, Zach O'Sullivan, who is an F3 driver, currently of Carlin from last season. Um, and he won the Autosport BRDC Young Driver of the Year Award last season. And for that, his prize was to get a test drive in the 2021 Aston Martin car. So he... He did his test, um, had a, a great time. It was at Silverstone. Uh, he said there was a, a bit of a shock when he when he first kind of went full throttle. Essentially said they kind of pushed him through the back of the chassis. Uh, obviously, there's quite a big step up from an F3 car to an F1 car. But yeah, he's one of those kind of big hopes uh, in British motorsport. He recently did the uh, F3 test at Jerez, the postseason test with uh, Prima. So... I think it's fair to say it's potentially just a matter of time before he's announced for that race seat for next season, Prima being one of the, the strongest teams, if not the strongest in Formula 3. But also in F2, Jack Doohan, who is the Alpine junior, the heir apparent to Oscar Piastri's throne, has been confirmed to be driving in first free practice session in both Mexico and Abu Dhabi for Alpine, which will obviously uh, fulfil their requirements um, under the regulations to field two rookie sessions over the year. Uh, no surprise there, really. It was just a matter of time before that was announced. They certainly were, weren't going to put Oscar Piastri in the car. 
guys, what are your thoughts on these two guys? Hot up-and-coming talents. Um, yeah, is it a matter of time before we see, well, Doohan in F1 and O'Sullivan in F2? I certainly think so, if the seats are available for them. Obviously, Doohan at the moment is fourth in the standings and he is in the F2 standings and he is in the fight for third in the championship. He has shown incredible talent. I believe in the first race of the season, he got pole, which was incredible for a rookie and he has done really well. Obviously, seeing him in FP1, he's one of the many new rookies coming into those sessions. Um, we had Sergeant and Porcher just do it over the weekend in Austin. So it is very exciting for doing. Obviously, at the moment, Alpine don't have an empty seat because they did just sign Gasly. But hopefully we will see him in F1 in the future. And Zach in F3, he has done amazingly. I would definitely like to see him in F2 soon. He has done incredibly well. I think with the Autosport Award, he bested Oliver Behrman, who, again, an incredible F3 driver as well. But there is certainly a lot of talent in these guys. So they are ones to definitely keep an eye on. Well, Ollie Behrman, an F2 driver now. That is Signed true. Signed up with Premium for next year. Um, and yeah, yeah, Zach Sullivan, I mean, he took pole at Silverstone over the British Grand Prix weekend in an unfavoured Carling car and then managed to hold on to a, to a P2. So, yeah. I think he will definitely be within a shout of taking the title next year. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories, as well as features, quizzes, and anything else a motorsport nerd could want. Uh, and then go and check out the Cut to the Race podcast, where this weekend we, of course, reviewed the US Grand Prix, but also I tried my hand at commentating the first lap, and we all learned that Sam's brain breaks if he tries to swap the letters of drivers' names around. It's really one you don't want to miss. Uh, Something to add? All that up again. Well, yeah. My brain just isn't working that way. All right. And that's what we all learn, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back this coming weekend to review the Mexican Grand Prix, and who knows what we'll, uh, we'll be up to that time. But until then, Sam, Abby, Catherine, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Come back next week for some more. Thank you very much, guys. And it's lights out, mics off, and away we go. Until next week. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.